This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily. Today is Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film staff writer and box office analyst, Ryan Scott. Hey, hey everyone. How's it going? Ryan, it's going very well. Uh, let's talk about some news stuff. Let's let's divide the show. Uh, we'll talk in the first half about box office stuff and then get into really like some more nitty gritty news items in the back half of the show. But um, tell me what's going on with the box office recently. I know, you know, right before we started recording, we were like, uh, as we often do, bemoaning the state of, uh, of the industry. But it seems like we have maybe some more interesting stories beyond just that um, sort of uh, macro story to talk about this week. Indeed, we do. Also, I got to apologize up front. I'm just getting over a, a, a healthy bout of COVID here. Uh, so if I have to clear my throat or anything, I apologize. But I'm, I'm, I'm on the back end of it. But, you know, you know how it goes. Um, yeah, I'm glad so, you're feeling uh, better. Uh, well, thank you. Um, so um, and also, if anyone listened to the last episode I was on and I sounded a little uh, rough, that was also why. But anyway, um, so uh, I guess first order of business here. You want to talk about Aquaman, Ben? You want to talk about a little bit of Aquaman situation here? Um, you know, I do. Uh, this feels like the movie, it feels like the the chatter died down pretty quick on this one, but Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom has been kind of hanging around um, and it and it crossed a big milestone. It is now past 400 million uh, worldwide. It has made 412, just about 413 million worldwide at this point. Probably going to top out a little shy of 450, it looks like. Um, and I think for a lesser budgeted movie, that actually wouldn't be, you know, terrible. Um but, uh, you know, uh, the, the the original Aquaman made $1.1 billion. It is the highest grossing DC movie of all time. Um, this movie had a budget anywhere between 200 and $250 million. So, you know, it was very expensive to make. So it's, you know, it's a bit tricky. But just to show the interesting state of DC specifically, this is actually the first DCEU movie uh, to make more than $400 million since the original Aquaman. Now, yes, the wow. Batman made the, the Batman made over 700 million worldwide, but that was not connected to this franchise. 
uh, ah, that's anything right. okay. yeah, within yeah. this franchise. First one uh, in in uh, over five years. Um, wow. So, you know, it sort of shows why DC and Warner Brothers have decided to go in a different direction. Um, you know, that, that says a lot. So, um, you don't need to be mowing that point. Uh, the movie's done a little better than I think people thought it was going to, but it also was, um, you know, by no means going to be a hit. Uh, so did you, you know, see kind of, Aquaman in the last kingdom? I just, I, I, with some of these things now, I'm just like, if I'm not interested, I'm not doing it. And this was one of yeah. those ones where I just was like, like all due respect, by the way, like I, that first Aquaman movie, like I liked it just fine. And the thing I've always said about it is that I'm surprised anyone made an Aquaman movie. I liked it all. Um, I don't care for the character. And so like, this is not me beating up on DC. It's just that I, I wasn't all that interested in like, and also I don't much care what critics have to say. I love Eternals more than most superhero movies that have come out in the last four or five years. And people hate that movie. So it's got nothing to do with that. I just, you know, (laughs) what about you? Did you, did you partake? Yeah. So I, I just realized we have not done a full on water cooler in like over a month. And I think we're going to do one tomorrow probably. Um, but uh, right before Christmas, I did a triple feature of Wonka, Anyone But You, and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, which like, I, it's kind of a bizarre triple feature, but it happened. And uh, Boy, I that's hated a day. The, it really was. Uh, I hated the first Aquaman movie. I think um, a lot of my colleagues here at Slash Film love that movie. I openly despise it. And the second one was even worse to me, (laughs) like just way worse, just a complete misfire on almost every single level. Uh, I thought it was just like a really, really bad Lord of the Rings ripoff. Like the imagery that they were leaning on is just straight out of Lord of the Rings. And it it just seemed like there was no spark to the dialogue. Uh, Things happened that made absolutely no sense to me plot wise. Um, It just it seemed like a gigantic expensive mess of a movie so uh now, I was where not was a this fan. in your in that triple feature it was, was the last of the day so what? i really ended on a sad note there <laughs> rank last out of the three but then out of those three how would you rank them um i would say i would say it, it actually the day began with wonka and that was probably the high point point. and then anyone would but you was like fine maybe a little bit middling i really enjoyed the the very very end of that movie the i think it's natasha bettingfield the song like the i don't know if you saw anyone but you right but the uh the post credits kind of thing okay uh it ends with this really great like montage of um all of the actors singing to a, a major song that is played multiple times throughout the movie um kind of like a blooper reel type of thing uh that was just like left me uh, walking on air as I walked out of the movie. I was like, man, every movie should do this. This is just really, really fun. It's nice uh, when you can then, send them out on a good one like that, right? Yeah. Like when you just send it out on a good note. Yeah, and then Aquaman was just like a total slog. So it was really like a one, <laughs> two, three uh, scenario where my day just started off pretty pretty unexpectedly great and then um, ended up getting worse and worse from there. But I, I enjoyed the experience overall. So uh, uh, Look, anyway. those triple feet, anytime as a movie lover, if you get to just, you know, hang out in a movie theater all day. It's pretty great. Yeah. I actually um, like, I had a day off from work, so I did it in the middle of the week and it was like right around the holidays. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. And most of the time I've see, you know, multiple movies in a day, it's for a, a film festival or something. Um, and so I think this is the first time outside of a film festival scenario that I had the chance to do that. Uh, like in my entire life, which is kind of wild, but um, oh, those yeah. F off days are the best. One of the best days I had, like after the pandemic sort of receded a little bit is when, 
in summer 2021, I, I did a double feature. I saw a free guy earlier in the day, went and had lunch with my girlfriend at the time. And then I went and saw Don't Breathe 2 at night. Um, oh, and nice. just sort of like splitting. Yeah. So like those days are great, but, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> not to, not to get off track or whatever, but, uh, okay. So let's see what other stuff has been going on box office wise that we should know about. Yeah. So real quick, uh, mean girls, um, uh, and the beekeeper were sort of locked in a dead heat for number one this weekend, uh, not to belabor the point, but almost nothing new really came out this weekend, like of note. So, um, except for the black and white version of Godzilla minus one, which, religious experience please go see it if you can uh the movie is being pulled on february 1st by the way so like if you have not seen godzilla minus one yet your chance to see it is almost over but um yeah it's today and tomorrow as you're if you're listening to this you know as the the podcast was actually released yeah so but uh but so the beekeeper and and mean girls pretty much tied like it looked like the beekeeper won the weekend at first but then mean girls pulled out uh, mean Girls won the weekend with six point nine million dollars, whereas The Beekeeper came in second with six point, essentially six point seven million dollars. So, yeah, kind of not what you want from a weekend. But um, Mean Girls is a movie that was originally supposed to go to streaming and has now made just shy of eighty three million dollars worldwide. I cannot imagine how we would be talking about the state of the box office right now without that movie. Thank you, Paramount. Uh, mm-hmm. The Beekeeper, meanwhile, is kind of like the first real hit of the year like uh it is um uh, a little over a hundred million dollars worldwide right now um it is 103 uh, uh less weighted domestically than mean girls but it's doing well um it's holding word of mouth on it seems to be good uh perhaps a little better than mean girls because it's holding a little better week to week so um i don't know what amazon and mgm are thinking but it is not inconceivable at this point that this gets a sequel um, I oh, don't yeah, know, sure. I it, it but it's kind of approaching that area where this could get to like 150 worldwide or something. And then, you know, it, it probably had like a $40 million budget. So that math all kind of works out all the time. So, uh, yeah, you know, I feel like this has got to be, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, this movie is, is certainly like doing its part, uh, to lift the, um, you know, what was that phrase about, uh, all rising tide lifts all boats lifts or something all boats. Like yeah. And, yeah and look and again like i applaud paramount for like taking this movie that was supposed to go to streaming and like i wish you and i talked a little bit earlier i don't think we're talking about it today but there was a trailer for a movie called tarot that dropped earlier it's a horror movie coming from slash uh, from sony and i just was like man this looks done i've heard about this movie for a while why didn't they put this out like early in the year it feels like a january horror movie and but anyway, that's a whole other you know whatever but uh but yeah so that i mean that's pretty much that um migration um ended up crossing $200 million, uh, you know, just as a result of uh, there not being a lot out there. So with a $72 million budget, that's going to be a hit for Universal, not a big one, but a minor one. Um, yeah, so, you know, there that's all, uh, you know, then the other big thing, though, was that the Oscar nominations came out last week, and then the nominees got a pretty significant boost at the box office this weekend. So Poor Things opened in uh, a lot more theaters and made a few million dollars, and uh, you know, that movie's now at 51 million worldwide and with legs heading into award season could do very well. Um, you know, American fiction got a nice bump. Um, uh, the zone of interest is still expanding, but that got a healthy bump. Um, uh, then you're looking at even like Oppenheimer released in a bunch of theaters again and made another million dollars, you know, so like pretty much, uh, even Godzilla minus one an Oscar nominee, uh, uh, got, you know, a healthy bump largely due to the black and white version, but still, so it was like all these, you know, so in and amongst nothing being there, like there, the uh, the the Oscar nominations helped shine a light on these movies, which is 
we talk about this every year, but like, this is why the Oscars matter. And this is why like studios will still make those movies is mm-hmm. because those, you know, awards can bring them attention. So, um, yeah, so that, that was kind of a nice thing to see, but, uh, that, that's about it. I think for the state of the box office currently. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to hear that because, you know, I, I know that we've talked about how sad it is, uh, that the state of the box office is as kind of, um, empty, I guess, as it is right now. But the good news is that people are, are actually still interested in going to see movies and they're going out and seeing Oscar nominees, which this year happened to be like pretty good across the board. Like the, the Oscars kind of, I don't know, some years it feels like the Oscars really dropped the ball. And this one, like, I kind of like most of the things that they nominated most of there, you know, there are a few exceptions here and there. Um, but, uh, it's just good that these people are, you know, that, that people are going out and, and actually like paying attention to these, um, movies. Cause a lot of times right. in, in previous years that hasn't happened. So no, it hasn't. And it's nice right now. And it also seems like the Oscars for the first time in a little while, like as someone who watches this stuff, like they nominated a lot of very likable movies, right? Like American fiction is as much as it is brilliant and challenging. It's very likable. And like, mm-hmm. and like the only thing is I'm seeing zone of interest tonight and everything I've heard about that is just like, uh, it's one of those movies you'll watch once and probably never again. Um, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. so like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm expecting that to be a bit heavy, but, um, you know, good, good, good. I, I, with you, I, I'm, I like hearing that news and it's nice to see. So for sure. Okay. Let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about a bunch of recent big, uh, movie news announcements. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Okay, first up, Ryan, we have to talk a little bit about uh, the new Supergirl who has been cast in the new DC universe from James Gunn and Peter Safran. Who is that? Tell me what's going on with the uh, the Supergirl casting. Yeah, so um, this broke late yesterday, and this is something you know, like hardcore comic book fans have probably been aware that like the Supergirl casting process has been underway, um, and, and now they have settled, and James Gunn has confirmed. Uh, it is Millie Alcock, I believe I'm saying her name correctly, um uh she people will know her from her work on uh house of the dragon the uh game of thrones spinoff she is going to be supergirl and apparently supergirl is going to appear in a project before the previously announced supergirl woman of tomorrow movie um but uh yeah so uh millie beat out a couple of uh notable names uh coda breakout amelia jones uh and um meg donnelly who interestingly enough voiced supergirl in some like recent animated movies so like hmm. she was and she was second in line apparently so she got really close to like going from voicing the character to playing the character but um uh yeah uh, uh james gunn wrote uh millie is a fantastically talented young actor and i'm incredibly excited about her uh being a part of the dcu um you know uh so that there's not a lot known about when she's going to appear but 
it doesn't seem inconceivable that she could make some kind of cameo in Superman Legacy, which begins filming uh, here shortly. Uh, not a lot else to report, um, but that's what's we have a new Supergirl. That's the main yeah. Point. Once again, I'm, I I wish James Gunn. Well, I don't know. I, I guess it's it's ludicrous to kind of assume that he would um, tell everybody ahead of time like which characters are going to show up in Superman Legacy. But I'm just like so. I remain so um, uh, intrigued by what he's doing with that movie, and a little uh, a little worried, Ryan, because all of these people he keeps casting for this entire cinematic universe that he and Peter Safran are building, and there's just been so much discussion about like maybe all of these characters are going to appear in some fashion in Superman legacy. And we've talked about it on the podcast before of like how crowded that might make that movie. Even if all these characters just show up for a few seconds each, that's a lot of screen time because there have been a lot of actors and actresses cast so far in this thing. So yeah, uh, I hope that she, I, although I will say, I will say Millie though, my guess would be like, this would probably strike me as a post credit scene more than the movie itself type of thing. Right. Like yeah. maybe so but I think that like he has a super team called the authority, which is going to be a big part of it. So like, and I think gun through the guardians movies and some of these other things, he's the key in the suicide squad, a movie where he introduced two different teams. Like he's shown his ability to balance these characters and make them feel satisfying. So I think if anyone can do it, he can do it. That's yeah, my sort that, of takeaway on it. Yeah. That's the optimistic spin for sure. I appreciate that. Uh, okay. So <laughs> sp speaking of, um, of superhero projects, let's go sort of across the street, if you will, to Marvel and uh, there have been a couple of Thunderbolts-related announcements recently um, that kind of have me, I guess, wondering about the state of this movie. And it's like an unanswerable question because we don't really know exactly. But um, yeah. several of uh, a couple major actors have dropped out of parts or walked away from the movie in, in whatever capacity and then have been replaced. So uh, Stephen Young was supposed to be playing a character called Sentry, and now he's been replaced by Lewis Pullman, who played the character Bob in uh, Top Gun Maverick, if you remember that character. He was also great in um, uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, which is a pretty small movie. That Bad Times at the El Royale saw. rules. Please, yeah. if you have not seen Bad Times at the El Royale, seek that movie out. Yeah, it's a Drew Goddard movie. He, he was one of the... Um, uh, anyway, Drew Goddard, like great filmmaker, um, underrated guy, like one of the sort of like, uh, he's contributed to Lost and has been a part of a bunch of great projects. Uh, Cabin in the Woods, another one, um, just like one of those guys that I, I trust a lot uh, as a creative person. So that was one of his uh, sort of directorial efforts from a few years ago. Anyway, uh, Ayo Edebiri was also cast in Thunderbolts, but she has dropped out. And now she's been replaced by Geraldine Viswanathan, uh, who is a comedian who's, you, even if you don't recognize that name, you've probably seen her in uh, either Blockers or Bad Education. Uh, she did a voice on BoJack Horseman. She was in uh, Cat Person, the, the indie movie that played at last year's Sundance. She was in uh, that show Miracle Workers on TBS, the comedy with... Um, uh, what is the name? Uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Um, so she's been around for a long time and I, I like her a lot. So I'm happy that she is stepping in and, and, you know, serving as like the kind of replacement. Like if we have to have uh, a second tier person, you know, when AOA Debiri from the bear and bottoms and all that, you know, she had like an incredible year last year. If she had to step out, this seems like a really, really great replacement and somebody who has that same level of like uh, young snappy charisma that, um, like Amon Villani has as a uh, young Kamala Khan kind of thing. Like, I, I feel like she has that kind of um, that uh, presence as a performer that really uh, could help the MCU 
you know, stagger into whatever next creative phase it's working on here. So what are, what are your thoughts here, Ryan, about the two replacements for uh, these actors? Um, I, I, oh boy. Um, okay. So like I was so you, I can show you the receipts the day. Cause it was before they announced it at Hall H to San Diego comic-con, the news sort of broke that this Thunderbolts movie was happening. And there's a little bit of a thing in our slack of me freaking out and being excited about that happening. I like the Thunderbolts are kind of sort of like the suicide squad is in the DC universe, but like Marvel's version, but I love the Thunderbolts and I was very excited about this movie and kind of everything that has happened is like dampening my spirits. Like I just, it just seems like, I don't know. Like, I mean, you can chalk it up to schedule. You can chalk it up to all this stuff. It just doesn't feel right. And, and I think like Steven Yun felt like inspired casting as Sentry, who is an amazingly cool character. And I love Lewis Pullman. All due respect to Lewis Pullman. It definitely feels like that was not like reaching as high casting wise right like and again i like lewis pullman a lot but like as far as like a grabby name and i think mm-hmm. you could maybe say the same about what happened with ao and geraldine and i love geraldine she's amazing blockers i just rewatched so funny but like ao is the hot name right now and then like her dropping out and you getting someone else like it just doesn't this all sort of reads a little bit like not great i and again i don't know i'm like because like you said like the situation is unknowable but just like on looking, it seems a bit messy and it seems a bit not great. Like, and, and yeah, you know, the project so- has been delayed a bunch of times too, right? Like for the yeah. strikes, of course, yeah. but also I think there was even, there are even delays, like even before the strikes came around last year and, and sort of like creative reworkings and, and lots of, you know, the typical kind of internet rumor mongering about uh, potential problems behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff, which like, I'm not sure how much. Uh, validity to put in in those ever um probably very little but um but the point remains at that uh that yeah it has had a lot of uh, on paper things that look like problems um i just kind of am trying i'm trying right i'm really like fingers crossed trying to be optimistic about this and think that like this could be an opportunity for marvel to i don't know push things in a different creative direction and use whatever they can do to sort of pivot out of this quagmire that they've found themselves in and i kind of am looking at this as like a best case scenario because i like Ava Dabiri and steven yen a lot as performers and I just don't know, you know, while it would have been exciting, I guess, to see them in the MCU in the same way that it would have been exciting to see any number of A-list uh, stars join these mo- these movies over the years. I'm also excited because now they're not in a Marvel thing, and maybe that means they'll make something else and be have the ability to make something else, especially AO Which coming is exactly off of- what I think is actually happening here, if I were to guess, right? Like, because I think there's been rumors that Steven Yeun is going to go make, uh, God, who directed Minari? What's, um... Oh, yeah, uh, uh, Lee Isaac Chung, I think. But it's supposedly he's making a new movie, and Steven Yeun's going to go do that, and... I mean, I can't even imagine the offers AO has on her desk right now. Like, I, yeah. I you know what I mean? Like, so, that's exactly what I think is going to happen. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just... Like, I loved Marvel stuff so much, and I feel so worn out by it. And this was a project I was so, so, so excited about. But I was also hesitant that, like, Marvel could, like, do it in the way that it needed to be done. But then when I heard that, like, Sentry was going to be kind of, like, the villain, like, I just got so excited again. And it's all they just keep trying to find ways to just make me feel some kind of way about all of it. And I just, <laughs> they're putting you I, on a roller coaster. <laughs> they really are. And all I ever want to do is be proven wrong. Like, like, I remember. 
the best example of that ever was sitting in the theater opening night for Avengers, I believe it was, and then hearing the Marvel Phase 2 announcement, and then like hearing about this Guardians of the Galaxy thing and being so upset that they didn't announce a Doctor Strange movie. Like, and just being, like, livid that that wasn't happening and that some talking <laughs> raccoon was getting a movie. And then, like, becoming the biggest Guardians of the Galaxy stand you could have ever met at that time. So, like, you know, like, I want, all I ever want to be is wrong. Because, like, when I'm wrong, it means I'm happy, right? Like, that, you know what I mean? Like, that's, <laughs> so, like, like but, but I, right now I'm just, like, having a hard time. Um, yeah. So, I'm hopeful. I just... I don't know. Like, hey, and then look, there's also, I mean, a totally yeah. understandable reaction, yeah. Ryan. Like, I, I fully am, am right there with you, like, spiritually. I'm just trying to, like, put a positive spin on this as much as possible. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah, um, so that's, I don't really have anything else to say, but I do love just to throw some positivity in here, right? Um, if, if you are interested in Thunderbolts at all, uh, please go read um, uh, by uh, Daniel Way, uh, the author, his run, along with illustrator Steve Dillon. Uh, you can pick up the trade paperback. It's just called uh, the the first uh, edition is called No Quarter. That's the first run. Uh, you can get it online very easily digitally. You can pick up a copy for almost nothing online, I'm sure. But uh, please just go read some Thunderbolts. It's dope. Uh, you know, just like if, if you want to go to the source material, I couldn't recommend that enough. Okay, so outside of the world of Marvel and DC, there was an announcement that came out that got me pretty excited, and that is that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are reuniting for another movie. It's a Netflix crime thriller called Animals, and the plot involves, according to The Hollywood Reporter, a mayoral candidate and his wife whose son is kidnapped, surrounded by plenty of enemies, political and otherwise. The husband and wife have no choice but to get their hands real dirty in order to save their son. So Matt Damon is going to star in this, and Ben Affleck is going to direct it. Ryan, as an Affleck fan, especially a, a fan of Affleck's work behind the camera, I have to assume that you're excited about this. Uh, F and A, right, Cotton? Uh, I am. Uh, I am all for it. My only thing that bums me out is that it's going to Netflix. So I'm just like, I want to see this. I already want to see this on the big screen. I'm like, let's go. Um, yeah. This is. I mean, I'm air. Ben Affleck is back, baby. Like, and I love it. I even just watched like while I was sick. I watched Triple Frontier again, which like. The first time I saw Triple Frontier, I was like, boo. And then the second, like now the second and third time I watched it, I'm like, oh, this movie rules. What was I thinking? Um, yeah. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> underseen movie. Underseen movie. Please go see, watch Triple Frontier. Great heist. I, I like nothing more than heist movies. Like when I'm watching a heist movie, I'm like, oh, why do I ever watch anything else? Um, but uh, but um, yeah, like, oh, my God, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, like doing a crime thriller like this, like completely pivoting genres again. And I love that they're just like happy to work with each other again now, because I think like I saw an interview with them a little bit ago where they were like, why didn't we work together for so long? Cause like, we just felt like we needed to distance ourselves from each other, but like, that's stupid. We love working with each other. We should just do this all the time. And I love mm -hmm. that that's what they're doing now. Like, and, and so and clearly these are things that they're like mutually passionate about. And like, I think Affleck gets the best out of Damon. Like, so I think yeah. that like there, there's nothing about this that I don't like, like, especially even if you go back to Goodwill hunting, like when like Damon is, acting opposite Affleck or like, you know, like even just that. So like what, what, who, who in their right mind that likes like popcorn cinema is not going to be excited about this. Like I'm yeah, let's go. Like that's, <laughs> I just, again, all I wish is that it was going to, I just hope it like does it and turns out well enough that Netflix maybe thinks there's some Oscar potential here and that it at least gets like a limited theatrical run or something. Cause like I'm, I, but I, yeah, I'm all in on this. Like, let, I just hope it starts like filming tomorrow. Like let's go. Like, yeah. Let's do this soon. 
Yeah, and as we talked about with the exit of uh, Scott Stuber, the head of Netflix recently, you know, that what you're talking about, that scenario where like potentially gets Oscar stuff for next year and then, you know, maybe gets like a release associated with that. That seems like probably the only way that movies are really going to get any sort of theatrical push, especially under this new sort of uh, regime or whatever at at Netflix, this new era of Netflix. So um, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Let's wrap this up, Ryan, by talking about two trailers that came out recently. I was curious if you had any thoughts about this Ghostbusters Frozen Empire trailer that came out, the the most recent one. Um, What's your relationship to Ghostbusters? So, uh, you know, Brad loves it and I, I love that Brad loves it and I, I love watching him love it. Uh, you know, like the, the entire franchise. I'm one of those people that have become more vocal over the past few years. Like I haven't been vocal about it necessarily, but a lot of people have become vocal about this in that, like they think that Ghostbusters should have just been a one and done and that was it. And like, I, that's kind of where I am. I feel like there's no reason for this to be the, uh, the, the decades spanning franchise that it's inexplicably become to me because like the original source material does not seem to uh, really lend itself to sequelizing in the way that it has. And I feel like it's just been a whole bunch of messiness really after the the first movie. I, I kind of like the 2016 Ghostbusters. I think there's some really, really funny stuff in there, but just like conceptually, I kind of think this would have been better as a one-off. Uh, and that was my overriding thought once again watching this frozen empire trailer i'm like i can't believe that this is the thing that is you know decades later is getting a trailer where people are doing callback lines to dialogue from the original film and like oh here comes slimer again and like i I just kind of had the realization this like almost existential realization of like this is definitely this franchise is like a hundred percent not for me and like maybe you know if i was 15 i remember seeing trailers like this and being completely hyped for it and like maybe that's i kept thinking like maybe the 15 year olds of this generation are excited about this but then i remember that ghostbusters came out in like 1980 whatever 84 or something like that right so like do they have any investment in this as a larger thing i don't know um so i have a lot of conflicted sort of swirling feelings but where do you where do you stand on it okay because i feel similar like i I don't even have nostalgia for the original Ghostbusters. Like I, I like Ghostbusters. I am not a monster. I like the original Ghostbusters, but I, it is not like, it doesn't make my top hundred all time. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, like it's not one of those movies for me. And I, I don't care at all for Ghostbusters too. I didn't particularly like the 2016 movie. I actually liked Ghostbusters Afterlife just fine. But like, but I, I don't like, yeah, I, I mean, I guess at some point, like, because that movie did well enough, like, you have to sort of make another one. But just to remind people, like, Ghostbusters Afterlife made $204 million worldwide on a seven, $75 million budget. Now, with a movie like this, you're going to have a lot more, like, supplemental revenue, right? Like, you're going to have, you know, toys and everything else that make up for it. But this movie looks much, much, much more expensive to me. And I think that like Ghostbusters Afterlife was like all of the goodwill you had for like Ghostbusters 3. I am a little worried about how this movie's going to do. And and I'm not sure. I guess my big thing is what I'm seeing in the trailer is like, I don't know that that trailer, is that enough to get your average person to be like into Ghostbusters, like to get excited about another Ghostbusters movie? Mm. And I have my doubts. Like that's my takeaway. I'm not trying to make this all financial, but what I'm saying is like watching that trailer is like, yeah, I don't know if I see a like, like like I'm, I'm a bigger hit in there than Ghostbusters Afterlife, and that's what concerns me. 
Yeah. Is, is, you know, um, so I don't know. We'll see. I, Sony's been very responsible about budgets and stuff, but like, I just don't see how that like city stuff and like the scale of it can possibly be like another $75 million movie. It must be more expensive. And yeah. I worry about that. So I don't know. I don't have any like real feelings about it. So I'm sort of approaching it from like in a year where we kind of need everything to succeed because of just how little there is out there. I'm a little nervous, but I would love to be proven wrong, as I mentioned with Thunderbolts. Okay, so there's a movie that uh, a trailer that came out that I feel like is probably a little bit more up your alley. It's certainly more up my alley called The Monkey Man, which is a maybe a surprising title if you had not been tracking the development of this film. It's a directorial effort from Dev Patel, and it's kind of like him getting his own version of John Wick. Uh, tell me about this trailer, Ryan. W- what was your reaction to this? Um, it is also just called Monkey Man. It is not. It is not the Monkey Man. It's just, oh, excuse it's me. Not, yes. Not that, not that that matters too much, but uh, Monkey Man's a little punchier. Um, I love Dev Patel, and uh, if you are if you are to believe rumors that circulate on the internet, he might have been in contention for a certain Marvel movie. Uh, but but uh, instead, he is directing and starring in this like Mumbai action movie that is produced by Jordan Peele. And it looks, look, calling everything John Wick feels a little productive, but like it does sort of have that, but it also feels like John Wick through like an RRR filter a little bit with like Jordan Peele's sort of like sensibilities. And I don't know. I, I, I am, this is one of those, like I couldn't slam my money down hard enough. Like (laughs) I love Dev Patel. I love, and it looks like what I like about it, it almost has that nobody thing where like, you know, Bob Odenkirk like kicked ass and nobody, but he was willing to also get his ass kicked. And like, and I love seeing Dev Patel. I don't know. I, and, and, and as a movie like that comes out of nowhere, right? Like none of us really were anticipating this and then it just drops and this trailer kicks ass. And I'm just like, so happy that it's coming out in April. It's like soon. And also of note, Jordan Peele rescued this from Netflix. Like it was Netflix originally bought it in like a $30 million deal. Jordan Peele saw it and was like, oh no, this deserves a theatrical release. Somehow wrangled it away from Netflix and now Universal's going to release it, which I think is awesome. Like you talk about a guy that uses his powers for good, man. Like, I don't know. I, I'm, I couldn't like this shot way up my list for the year. I yeah. I don't know if you're as enthusiastic as I am about it, but I am stoked about this movie. I'm I'm very stoked about it. I actually turned the trailer off about halfway through because I was so excited by what I saw in the first half. So I still have not seen the back half and I actually will not watch the back half of this trailer because I'm just going to go see the movie. Like <laughs> at, at that point, I'm like, I don't need to see any more cool yeah. moments. You've already got me. So like, I'm, I'm all in on this. I'm thing, with you so. about a minute and a half into that trailer. I'm like, I don't know what else you could possibly need to show me to get me to give you more money, but like you have it. Like, let's <laughs> please, like you have enough of my money. Like, I will go to your movie like you don't please like i and again it's like a movie we weren't expecting that has real theatrical upside and i'm like and i'm just really like every element of this is exciting like i can't if i look up and down and the universal really tends to like they have pretty good marketing campaigns i think i think they're gonna give this movie like a real honest shot and it's so much better to me than like this movie languishing is like on netflix and like maybe popping for a week and then disappearing into the algorithm like i love that this movie is going to get like a proper theatrical release with like jordan peele's name attached to it to help like give it some oomph and just 
oh man, like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, and like, I, I, I did not do the proper research before talking about this, Ryan, but I'm not sure if you know off the top of your head. Do you have any idea if like the 8711 action uh, squad was responsible for the action choreography in this movie in any way? I do not. I have not gone that far down into the research here because this was, I only, my only recollection of this at all was that I remember, you know, as you and I do, we, we kind of, report on stuff day to day and then we move on with our lives i remember hearing that dev patel was doing something for netflix and that like he was directing you know like that he was going to direct it but my assumption was like like i love dev patel but you're looking at like green knight lion some of these other movies like i didn't think he was doing this yeah you know like yeah. i i saw like, I, I i didn't think to look up who's the action choreographer on his yeah movie yeah, yeah i'm like Oh, it might be like, you know, he might shoot a gun, but I didn't, I mean, geez, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I, so yeah, like now I'm like, I'm now I'm sort of like a little bit more in your camp where I'm curious to research, but like, no, it, it, long answer to your question. I didn't offhand look into that. Yeah. I, I just, something about it to me looks different than that stuff. And like, I may be proven wrong and they, it might be right there in the credits or something that they actually worked on this. And I might just be like eating my words later, but something about the way this trailer presents the action seemed different to me than you know, what we saw in like, even nobody, which you, you said you liked and like the uh, silent night, the, um, the Santa, uh, martial arts kind of like, Oh, violent night. Santa. Yeah, yeah, oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Violent night. <laughs> Confused with the Joel Kinnaman, John Woo movie. Um, yeah. Violent night. And like some of the other 8711 kind of, um, John wick school of act of, uh, action choreography kind of movies that we've seen recently. Uh, and I, I just found that to be really refreshing the way that this movie has that kind of hand to hand, like gritty martial arts thing, but it looks different in some way and like a way that I couldn't, couldn't quite put my finger There's on. There's a so. style draped over that entire trailer that I just can't quite put my finger on. And what I'm hoping that it is, is that Dev Patel is just a hell of a director and we yeah. have not met yeah, him yeah. yet. Um, and I, yeah, I just, even like the poster's awesome. Like, like, and that's like a good sign always to me of like when it's not just like Photoshopped heads on a poster um and like i love the red and black thing yeah i don't know the more i talk about this movie the more i'm just like can we can we get to know can we get to april please like let's, let's go. I, uh, yeah sure. I, I don't have anything to say that's articulate other than like i'm into it but like let's go <laughs> okay cool well yeah i encourage people to check that out i'll put um links to all of the stuff that we talked about in the show notes here so you can watch these trailers and and uh read about the the movie stories and stuff like that that we talked about the box office stories and stuff as well uh but that'll do it for today's show slash film daily is published every weekday bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and tv as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site you can subscribe to the show on apple overcast spotify wherever you get your podcasts please subscribe to our newsletter send your feedback questions comments concerns and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at slash film.com make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air don't forget to rate and review the show on apple Podcasts or spotify uh, tell your friends about the show any way you can thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you all tomorrow what's so special about hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.